Okay, good morning. It is the Lombardi Line as we welcome you in on a Sunday. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi, of course. We're going to talk a little NFL here. We've got plenty to do. Yeah. Thomas Gable's going to stop by. I don't. There's no chance, and I don't expect you to have an answer when it comes to Deshaun Watson. But let's use let's put our thinking hats on and, and, and try to figure out what they're going to do here. Insurance with Tyrod Taylor coming in, I believe Finley on the roster as well. But this is a team projected drafted by Davis Mills. The drafted, drafted Davis Mills. Davis Mills used a, used our first pick in the draft this year for Davis Mills. Kind of cashed that one for us. We all predicted he would go under the 68 number, and he did barely. So. You know, I, I think that's so in, in the air. I think there's so much in the media that we don't know is accurate about Deshaun Watson in terms of where this case is going. Uh, and so I think until that time, it, it, you'd have to think that he's not going to be on their team, you know, currently. And until that gets resolved, he can't be on someone else's team either. So incentivized, that would be the word for Tyrod Taylor's contract. So I'm guessing I think he can make up to $12.5 million. You take a look quickly at the Texans. The season win totals is the lowest across the 32, set at four. Uh, that's a, I mean, that's unbelievable. It's a 17-game season. They had, the, they, had, they had the Sean Watson last year, and they won four games. Yeah. I mean, think about that. They had the Sean Watson, and they won four games. Now they don't have the Sean Watson, and the number's four. You know, and so what does that tell you? It tells you how bad their team was last year. Look, they were in a lot of close games last year. They had chances to win some games that perhaps they, they could have, you know, a couple late late uh, uh, mess-ups, you know, turned the ball over against Indianapolis. They had Indianapolis on the ropes twice and couldn't finish them off. So, you know, they're not a good team. We get that. Four is a really light number in a 17-game season. I mean, when you look at that schedule, you don't think they can beat Jacksonville once? You don't think they can beat the Jets once? You know, you don't think they could beat, you know, who else could they beat? Could they beat the Bills? No. Pat Patriots? I doubt that. They do play the Patriots home. They beat them last year. So I think what you're looking at that schedule is you have a hard time finding four e games that, that are the same level of talent that they'll face. The Chargers are a better team. The Jaguars, they're about, you know, they're a better team, the Jaguars, but they could beat them. The Titans would be a game that I would say they could potentially win. You know, I think they could potentially beat the Jets, but it's hard to find five wins on that schedule. It's it is. hard. You know, you look at the number four, and it's jarring because it's, you know, we added a week, yeah, obviously. I want to go over. I want to go can't over, find but it. I, I'm just having a, hard, I'm, I'm having a hard time saying, okay. Now, Thursday night, they play the Panthers at home. Okay, maybe they could win that one. You know, then they, they come back, and could they beat the Cardinals at Arizona early in the season? I don't think so. The Jets at home, I think they could do that. You know, could they beat could they beat the Jaguars at home? Sure. Could they beat the Titans at home? Sure. They're not going to beat the Colts. And there's just so many unknowns. We know nothing about David Culley as a, literally. I don't even know if people in your circle know anything about David Culley as a head coach, right? Well, we we know the coordinators, right? So we know call, we know the coordinators. Lovey Smith's going to play a Tampa two scheme. You know, he, he, when he was at Illinois, that's what he's done. It's what he's done his whole career. They're going to try to be fast and athletic on defense. Can they hold up? I doubtful though. They're going to be a team that has to play 28 minutes of defense, but an offense that can't hold the hold the ball that long. Yeah, four is the win total for the Texans. It's not going anywhere. Juiced 110 up and down. When we come back. We'll shift gears. We'll go to the Cowboys first. Here's an action update. 
this is Brent Musburger, and here is your VSIN action update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. The Florida Panthers have not won a playoff series since 1996. They open up at home at Tampa Bay today. Lightning, $1.25 road favorites. Florida has won three straight against Tampa Bay, outscoring the Lightning 14 to 4. BGK won five and two this season against the Minnesota Wild. The Wild, a dollar forty-five dog at the T-Mobile Arena today. The Golden Knights minus one sixty-five, five and a half over the total. Penguins, a dollar forty home ice favorite against the Islanders. Trailblazers can clinch the number six seed of the Western Conference with a win today over Denver. Blazers laying eight and a half at the Motive Center. These ten experts are getting ready for the NBA and the NHL playoffs. Andy McNeil, our hockey expert, will give you all the analysis on the ice, while our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel, gives you all the information you need to bet and win of the NBA. Sign up now for your free 10-day trial at vcin.com slash subscribe. With your action update, I'm Mike Senna. Get the latest vcin odds at vsin.com. And remember, cash and tickets is what it's all about. Lombardi line as we welcome you back in the NFC East, Michael Lombardi. Of course, Washington yeah. won the NFC East with a record of 7-9 and nine last year. We, we joked about this, I believe it was on Friday. Remember last year going into the season with the divisional odds, Philadelphia and Dallas were toggling between favorites, right? Philadelphia goes on to go 4-11-1, Dallas 6-10, New York 6-10. Dallas is again your betting favorite in the NFC East, and Mike McCarthy said he believes Dak Prescott's going to be completely cleared for training camp. I, I don't doubt that. I mean, he should. Let's hope so. You know, we'd like to see that. And, you know, the Cowboys on paper always look like a really good team. They always look good, like a good team on paper. But are they going to play like a good team? I think that's the fundamental question. Last year, I think the injuries, especially to their tackle situation, you know, losing uh, Laurel Collins, the right tackle, Tyrod Smith, the left tackle, playing backup tackles that really didn't belong in the NFL last year really hurt them. And then they had injuries in their offensive line inside. Zach Martin had to go out to tackle, miss games. That really affected them. And then, of course, obviously the quarterbacking situation, you know, when they had to play games with, with Don Fanucci. Uh, ben Ben Danucci in there. I call him Don Fanucci. But you know that made it really difficult. So and then let's transition over to defense. Where are where is this team? They were they were really bad on defense. Mike Nolan, one year defensive coordinator, that didn't last. Now they bring Dan Quinn in, who we know last year when he was the coordinator and the head coach in Atlanta, that defense struggles. And I keep harping on this, but the Pete Carroll system of defense is kind of evolved, and it's at the end of its rope here. What is Dan Quinn going to do to generate pressure? Where is he? going to get his pass rush from? Can Randy Gregory stay on the field? Demarcus Lawrence, those guys, are they going to be strong enough inside? They drafted two tackles in the draft this year, one in the third round, one in the sixth round. Will that give them some girth inside? And then where are they at linebacker? I mean, finally, Sean Hill retired. He couldn't stay healthy on the field. You know, Jalen Smith, in spite of what Pro Football Focus says, was not very good last year. I think he was very disappointing. And I think they, and Van Der Vesch has got to prove that he can stay healthy and stay on the field. And what speed do they have on defense? I think there's a lot of question marks. I don't understand why they're at nine. I really don't. 
I like Dak. I like their offense. I have so many questions about their defense, especially in the secondary, which we didn't even get to. You know, so and then I think the scheme is so simplistic that teams are used to playing against them. And unless Dan Quinn changes, and I'll give him all the benefit of the doubt, unless he modifies his scheme, I think it's going to be very challenging for them to just go out there and dominate with talent. Yeah, and the nine number, Michael, it's actually juiced up to minus 150 at BetMGM. So we're headed to nine and a half for the Cowboys, which is very interesting. You see they're even money in division at plus 100. So even money to win the division, and we're headed to nine and a half with the Cowboys. Well, look, they open up with Brady and the, and the Bucks' offense really good. They go play the Chargers. That offense is really good in Los Angeles. Their defense is going to get tested immediately. The Eagle game will no, be, no walk in the park, even though it's at home. The Panthers with Darnold will throw the football effectively. So we're going to see right away, coming out in the first six weeks, the Giants, Daniel Jones, can he do anything, the Patriots with Cam. We're going to see the first six weeks where they are defensively. Are they good enough? Are they able to adjust? Because one thing I do know about the Patriots, they enjoy playing against this kind of scheme. From the C- If you go through any of the Patriots game against the Seattle, the Pete Carroll schemes, they move the football effectively unless the talent level is so dominating, like the one year in San Francisco when they went to the Super Bowl. When that talent level is dominating, this scheme really highlights itself. That's why San Francisco was good. When the talent level isn't the same, and we've seen this in Seattle, We've seen it in Seattle when they've lost the Legion of Boom, particularly in the defensive line, when they were dominant back in the 14 Super Bowl, when they were really good, 13, they won the Super Bowl. This defense was really good. But all of a sudden, when you don't have that dominant talent, it becomes an easy scheme to attack. And I think people will attack it in Dallas. Should Dallas be the betting favorite in the East? You take a look. Washington, who won the division, there's reason for optimism. They're your second betting favorite in the East. I think I, I think Washington is is behind because of Ryan Fitzpatrick because as much as you want to say Fitzy was good last year and he was really good he averaged nine yards per attempt on first down he was at five five on third down meanwhile Tua was at six yards on first down and four and a half yards on third down so clearly he was a better player than Tua it led them back in the Raider game to kick that field goal to win I mean you know they were looking for him to play in that Buffalo game at the end of the season and he wasn't there and they couldn't play him and Tua had to go through and they got blown out but for me I, I really really think when you break down this Washington football team, it comes back to Fitzy. And can his consistency play well enough? And I think that's the fundamental question, and that's why they have him right in the middle of the pack. I like, I like Washington to go over the nine number because I think their defense is really good. And they've added more speed with Jamin Davis on defense. They get a legitimate corner. Last year, I didn't feel like they had a legitimate corner. With William Jackson at corner, you know, the big kid from – Houston, who was at Cincinnati, they finally have a corner that can play man-to-man and take people away. And I think that's, that's significant with this defensive front. So, you know, they've added that player, that front stays the same, more speed on defense. I like the team. I really do. I think they'll be much improved defensively by what they've added. Look, when we saw Taylor Henke go in there, they gave the Bucks. Think about this, Patrick. They gave the Bucks everything the Bucks wanted in that game. It should have been a walk in the park for the Bucks, but it really wasn't. It really wasn't. Yeah. And, and Henneke played well. I mean, he moved the ball probably as well as any quarterback in the playoffs on the Bucks defense. Yeah, and they signed him to a good contract as far as the backup's concerned. You see the Washington football team set at eight. 
It's headed to eight and a half, so it's juiced up to one. I like the over here. Okay. I like the over here. I really do. I like the over here for them. And, you know, you say, well, you know, their offensive line. Certainly it's in question. They signed Charles Leno, who was the left tackle for the Bears. Not a great player, but probably better than Garon Christian, who was the left tackle, and probably better than anybody they played last year. You know, right tackle Morgan Moses is, is a guy that they can function with. He's over 30. He's prone to injury. He's on the ground way too much. But I think they can get away with him. They bring Flowers back who they really like. They put him in left guard. And then you add, you know, you add the dimension of what they did in the draft. Skill players. I mean, they get Curtis Samuel, who's a good utility player, gives them a lot of juice, right? Then they draft that Damami Brown in the third round who can flat out fly. They're going with McLaurin, and then this kid, Kelvin Harmon from Rutgers, who they really liked in the sixth round in 19, he comes in. He was out all of last year with an injury. So, you know, they've got some skill, and I think the second year within the system, they should take off. The biggest question I have, now they signed Lamar Miller. Is he healthy? Can he come in and give him a backup runner? J.D. McKissick's kind of their nickel player, but if anything happens to Antonio Gibson, like what happened last year, they need another back to come in there and give them somebody they can count on and rely on. And they added, with their first-round pick, 19 overall, Jamin Davis, the linebacker, to, yep. to a unit that was the second overall in all of football, that defense, last year. So right. it, there's, reason, well, there's optimism. There's reasons for it in Washington. And it's a pattern you can understand. When you look at Ron Rivera and what he did down in, and, you know, we had Luke Keekley in Carolina. You know, he had the players that they had, to, Thomas Davis. This Davis kid was going to be similar to Thomas Davis. You know, they want a will linebacker that can fly to the football. They're going to get the defensive line that's going to eat up the blockers, and this kid will make a zillion tackles. And I think that that's going to be the key, and I think they strengthen their team with Jackson in the corner tremendously. They get a tremendous corner in Jackson who can go play press man-to-man. I like their team. I really do. I think they finally have some stability. It's not a chaotic system. It's not, you know, off the field. I think they have actually hold have players accountable. The players like Rivera. I think he's an easy influence on them. And the way they came back last year, I mean, look, I never suspected they would win any games last year based on trying to play Alex Smith, based on where they were. I mean, I think they started the season off with a kid that they ended up cutting. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was their starting quarterback on opening day. And that was, you know, it's a, it's a great great point because that's the old regime. It does feel like that Rivera's built a buffer between the ownership group and now the punter, your boy, he's out. So it does feel like Rivera's come in and kind of sent, settled that organization down. And Haskins going needed to happen because the attitude, and he was a tie to the old regime as well. No doubt. And he was tied to the owner, and that let the owner think that he was running things. And I think they've kind of moved away from that. So... Look, it's going to come back down to 50. All the circles we just went around. Can Ryan Fitzpatrick play? Protect the football, essentially. Don't lose the game, Ryan. Play within yourself. You're great when you're hot. You're great when you play within yourself. You still move around. Even at his age, he still makes plays. You know, they're eventually going to have to get a quarterback. But I think they felt like in this draft, I thought they would go after Lance. I thought they might go after Fields or Mac Jones or someone, but I think they felt like they're going to go all in on Fitzy. I think they felt like their quarterback situation with Haneke and Kyle Allen, who started a lot of games last year before he got hurt, you know, they feel like they're good enough. They're not, but they feel like they're good enough. They won seven games in a 16-game schedule yesterday, last year. Eight is the number. Get it now because it's juiced up to 140 for the Washington football team, of course, at a week 17. They're 3-1 to in division, 66-1 to to win the Super Bowl for Washington. Let's go to the Giants. 
All right, as we stay in oh, division yeah. here, the Giants, we'll save your Eagles for just a little bit here, but we'll go Giants right now. And the expectations, we'll give you the number as far as the win total and divisional odds, but let's just start with your expectations for the Giants. I do think they'll be improved, Patrick. I think that number's so low at seven. I don't think they're a great team by any means. I think Daniel Jones is a question mark, especially when the game speeds up. Can he play well enough when the game does speed up? You know, they get Nate Solderback, who opted out with COVID. Now, Andrew Thomas played horribly last year, their first-round pick out of Georgia. He was not very good. Solder with a year off, is he going to be any good? I don't know. Their tackle situation is really in jeopardy. They don't have great tackles. Their offensive line hasn't really improved. You know, uh, they cut Kevin Zeitler. He signed. He's, you know, he left, and they cut him on a salary cap. So now they're going to go, you know, they've got a bunch of younger players inside in their offensive line. Are they going to be good enough? I think that's going to be the fundamental question. And Barkley returns, which is obviously good for them. They get another player. But once again, it all comes down to Daniel Jones. Can Daniel Jones play fast enough? Can he make enough plays? Then we flip to the defense, which was really surprisingly good last year. Surprisingly good. They spent money on Logan Ryan to save him as free safety. You know, they've got Peppers, the strong safety. They spent a lot of money on a Dory Jackson to come in and get a corner. Bradbury's a really good player for them at the other corner. We shall see if they can hold up. Can they generate pass rush? I think that's the key question. Can they find a way to get some pass rush out of the defensive front? Last year they did. I thought that, you know, Leonard Williams played his best football of his career, especially rushing the passer. There's a lot of questions, but I think seven in that division is a little light. I really do. I don't love their offense. I don't love the clapper calling plays. I think they're kind of easy to predict. But I do think there's enough talent on the team to go over the seven number. Tim Tebow's not the only one getting a tryout at tight end. Calvin Benjamin has been brought in for a tryout with the Giants. Uh, rem- remember, they remember, did they get signed him? Gettleman drafted huh. him. No, well, remember, Gettleman drafted him in Carolina. And so right. that's the connection. It all goes back to... I know the kid. I think we can make the kid a better player. And, you know, Benjamin was, was ate himself out of the wide receiver position. There's no doubt. Whether he's going to be tough enough, I don't know. Here's the problem. You can line him up at tight end. But if he won't block anybody, they'll just treat him as a receiver. Right. They'll just treat him as a receiver. So you've got to be able to do things that make people believe you're a tight end. And that, that allows you to run the football, that allows you to block the edge, that allows you to be physical in contact. If you just line up there and you're trying to play tight end, a la Tebow, and you can't do anything in the run game, then they're just going to treat you like a receiver and you don't gain any advantage. Yeah, 6'5", 245 is what he's listed at. Uh, last time we saw Calvin Benjamin, he was not 245. <laughs> he was, no, I mean, look, they made a great trade. They made a great trade with Buffalo. I think Buffalo traded a third-round pick to get, to get him. And, you know, they, one thing I admire about Buffalo, Brendan Bean and, and Sean McDermott, they, they admit, admit their mistakes. They get rid of them. That was, a, that was a great trade for Carolina. It was a horrible trade for the Bills. Five to one in division for the Giants. I know you like the over seven. Remember, six games in division. Five to one in division. Look, you got the you got the Cowboys even bet, even money. You've got the Washington football team three to one. Now we're starting to jump up a little bit here with the Giants at five to one. We'll get to the Eagles after the quick break. Uh, but five to one in division thoughts. Well, I mean, look, this schedule, when you're playing a bunch of these teams, I think the Giants will have a hard time with Washington because of the defense, Washington's defense. But they play the Broncos, who we don't know who their quarterback is. If it's Bridgewater or is it Locke, that's not going to scare you. The Falcons, we know they're in a rebuilding part. The Saints, I mean, just start listing the quarterbacks on this list, right? 
Can they yeah. beat some of these teams? Of course they can beat some of these teams. Can they beat the Bears late in the year? Are you sure? Can, this is the only NFC East team that doesn't end the year with all NFC East teams. They ended it with Washington and the Eagles in two of the last three weeks. But for the most part, the, all the other NFC East teams are basically playing against one another in the second half of the season. And the Giants are going to have to really make some hay. I mean, obviously, they got the, they got the Chiefs on Monday night. They have a tougher schedule, and I think that's why the seven's there, because I think the schedule doesn't really favor them. They play a little bit more difficult teams going to New Orleans, going to Kansas City, you know, going to Miami, going out to Los Angeles. That's not easy. Yeah, taking a look at that, what are they, week six, Rams, and then that, that division's interesting how they're closing with mostly in-division games, right? That's the late part of the schedule yeah. is going to be fascinating with the NFC East. It, but but this is the only team that doesn't just play one another all the time. I mean, you know, they've got the Bears in there at Week 17. I mean, Philadelphia plays all – I mean, other than the Jets, they play all – after Week 11, they just play the Jets and then they play the whole NFC East. The same thing with Dallas. Dallas does the same thing. So I think the East is not going to be determined until later in the year, which favors teams that are kind of gradually building up their season. I think like Washington. I think Ron Rivera will use September as his preseason a little bit. I think his team will get better like it did last year later in the year is Philadelphia excited about Sirianni time Nick Sirianni the we'll new head find coach? out <laughs> I, I mean if Philly is excited until the first they don't convert the first third down then all of a sudden it could all go to hell but we'll see I mean look the <laughs> Eagles aren't going to be as bad as everybody thinks they are they're not going to be as good as everybody hopes they are all right when we come back we'll find out exactly what Michael Lombardi thinks about the Philadelphia Eagles I mentioned Nick Sirianni he's the new unknown head coach probably puppeteered by the front office. We shall see. We'll take a look at the division odds, Super Bowl odds, and win total for the Philadelphia Eagles coming up next. If you missed anything, we're at VEASAN Live on Twitter. He's M. Lombardi NFL on Twitter and also VEASAN.com. racing fan first bet is the place for you with wagering on races at over 300 tracks to get AI assisted picks it's the easiest way to bet on your favorite sports secure payments attentive customer service reliable websites all brought to you by Express bet you can sign up now and use the promo code Vegas 100 today and get up to a hundred dollar match bonus on your first deposit visit vcin.com slash horses for details that's vcin.com slash horses promo code remembers Vegas 100. Okay, we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line. We're going through the NFC East here. Your betting favorites in the East, the Cowboys. Uh, second betting favorite would be the Washington football team at 3-1. to one. Your, fourth, your third betting favorite, the Giants at 5-1. to one. And now it's time for the Eagles, the team that won four games last year. As we set up the numbers, the total is 6.5. Season win total It's headed towards 7, Michael, because it's juiced up to 150. Their division odds are 4 and a quarter plus 425. I mean, if any team is worth seven, I think Philadelphia certainly is worth seven. I mean, look, they're, they're, 
they had the the best team in the division last year, Washington. I mean, they had them beat until the Philly pulled their players, right? I mean, that was the the tank game. We forget about that. I yeah. mean, Washington wasn't going to win that game. I mean, they weren't. And, you know, I don't know Nick Sirianni's how he's going to be as a head coach, how he's going to be as a play caller. We don't even know that. However, I do think that if they can stay healthy, which and that's a huge if, that's a huge if, they've got skill players, whether it's, you know, Savante Smith, who they drafted in the first round, you know, Rieger, who they drafted in the first round last year, but their offensive line should be improved. I mean, they get Dillard back. They get Lane Johnson healthy. Those two tackles are critical for them. And then wherever else they go in the offensive line, whether Brandon Brooks can come back or not, I don't know. He's been hurt for the last two years. But, you know, with Miles Sanders, the running game, it all comes down to Jalen Hurts. Is he capable of being able to do what he did at moments last year and be consistent in that? And then defensively, who are they going to be? Are they going to be the Indianapolis Colts on defense? If that's the case, if that's the case, then they're just not good enough at linebacker because the Colts require you to be really good. Just think about the Colts, Darius Leonard, and their linebackers, how fast they are and where they rally to the ball. It's a zone concept. It's it's a team that wants to play a lot of Tampa, too. They want to rally the football. You can get a lot of easy throws. They're a defense, Indianapolis I'm talking about, is a defense that wants to play 28 minutes. When they start to play more than that, they're not very good. Philadelphia offense, can they control the ball to where they dominate 32 seconds, 32 minutes? I think their defensive line is still formidable with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. They've got to get more out of Barnett. But I just think the question marks with this team come with come with the quarterback and come with the uncertainty of the head coach and come with the defense, which is why six and a half. But we're on a 17-game schedule. And you got to believe they're going to beat the Giants in one of those games. you got to believe they can beat the Cowboys in one game, right? And then, then you got to find these other games where else they, can they play. And from the time that plane lands back from Denver in week 10, they don't have to get on another airplane. They play the Saints at home. They'll bus up to the Giants. They'll bus up to the Jets. They get a bye. They take the train. They, they play Washington at home, play the Giants at home. They take the train down to Washington. They play the Cowboys. I mean, it's a really, really good schedule for them at the end of the year. Now, they've got to find a way to win some of those games. They've got to win in, win in Las Vegas. They've got to win in Detroit. That's going to be the critical component. The more interesting bet when it comes to Jalen Hurts is not this year. It's will he be the week one starter in 2022? And- yeah, that's the great question, right? And I think there's some people in the organization that are not sure of that. I think there's some people that are wishing that, and I think there's some people that don't think that. I think it's pretty much split into three groups, and I think that's really what we're looking at. And can he keep his eye level up? He got hit a lot last year. It kind of wore on him. You know, we, we see spurt moments of quarterbacks. I mean, we've seen this with Minshew down in Jacksonville, where they play good in spurts, but the longer they play, the less effective they become. We'll see that with Jalen Hurts. Can he actually endure? Remember, Jalen Hurts got benched in a championship game because he couldn't throw the ball. And they put two in, who we know doesn't throw the ball very well. I mean, think about this, right? So, you know, that that's the whole conversation. And then we know Mac Jones was the best quarterback at Alabama, according to the players, which is kind of interesting how it all kind of unfolded. So, Hertz is going to have to prove he can play consistently, keep his eye level up, and make plays within this. And then what are they going to do? The other question is, you know, Seriani's coming from a coach, Frank Wright, who wants to run the ball. They run the ball a lot in Indianapolis. Philadelphia, by the ownership group, doesn't want to run the ball. You call too many runs, you're going to get called into the office. They want to throw the ball. It's one of the big content. I mean, when they won the Super Bowl, they could run the ball. They didn't like that. They want to throw it. They think you throw to score. I agree with that. But you have to have some balance, and I think Philly likes it the other way around. 
Well, if the season goes south, you can just go hang out with the statues of Doug Peterson and Nick Foles outside the stadium. Yeah. Well, Nick Foles could be back. That's interesting. They could take. They don't want to take Nick Foles back because they would have be. They would have to play him. Uh, he's he's a folk hero there, as you know. I mean, he's God. If he's on the team, it doesn't. You know, he's starting over Brady. When we come back, we're gonna go. Speaking of Brady, Brady's coming up with the pregame show. When we come back, we're gonna go to Jersey and bring in Thomas Gable Borgata right here, at Lombardi Line. feature over at vcin.com added to the arsenal the betting splits every day we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in the major sports with current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game check the info daily to find out which games are seeking the most tickets written and if that matches the money coming in on those games to help you find a betting edge it's very important using these betting splits and we've got it now at vcin.com as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line, we're going to head to Jersey. Michael's there. So is Thomas Gable. Thomas Gable runs the race and sports book over at the Borgata. As we say hi to Thomas, speaking of the race book, how was the Preakness stakes over at the Borgata yesterday? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good day here. Very busy overall. And, um, with the Preakness going on and uh, and great call yesterday, Patrick, on uh, when we were talking about that, you you nailed the handicap uh, on that horse perfectly. Ron I mean, Bauer. what you said, I mean, it just it, it, he ran exactly as you said he would. So great Thank job, you, buddy. Appreciate that. It was um, yeah, he was he, he to turn a foot late. He was beautiful, twelve to one, uh, past the two favorites there, Medina Spirit, of course, and Midnight Bourbon. Thomas, the basketball today as a bookmaker, I would imagine this gives you agita trying to set these numbers because I hate it. I hate <laughs> just go. You can go ahead and rant. No, it's just it's it's one of these days where it's like, uh, you know, sometimes you know, people compare it to the last week of the NFL regular season, but uh, I mean, there's. There's obviously games with some meaning in terms of the seating and where they where they'll finish up, and then there's games with absolutely no meaning, and then you have games like this Clippers and Thunder game where you have both teams who don't want to win this game. So what's going to happen there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like who's going to give up first? Like you know, like can we play with four guys? I mean, it's almost like Hoosiers. We're all, you know somebody. We only have five guys on the bench. We'll go to four. You guys keep playing. I mean, I, I don't know how to <laughs> handicap that. I think it's a challenge. Although I do think the Grizzly Warrior game today, Thomas, and you want to talk about this? Mm-hmm. I know that Will likes the war the Grizzlies here. I don't know if I go against the Warriors and Steve Curry and, and Steph Curry in a game they got to have. Yeah, yeah, because. Like you said, this is the winner of this game. They become the eighth seed, which is a big deal because you essentially get two chances at a playoff berth. Then um, you can uh, also try to then claim the seventh seed in the play-in tournament. So the loser of this game must win two straight games to qualify for the playoffs. So this this game does have meaning. And the thing I like about the Warriors here in this, Draymond Green has been playing his best basketball of the season lately and playing great defense. 
And with Memphis being larger and having that slower lineup, I think you can look at look for Green to kind of get out and push the ball. Uh, Warriors laying four here. It has moved towards uh, the Grizzlies a little bit. We opened at Warriors laying five, and the total sitting there at 229 right now. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I would lean Warriors here with you, Michael. You took a big bet on the other under and the Jazz Kings coming up tonight. Uh, part of that is because if the Suns end up winning and beating the Spurs, I mean, obviously the Jazz control their own their own destiny here with the one seed. Uh, you right. took a huge bet on the under. Yeah, and this this has really moved um, moved down. We we opened the total two twenty six. It's now sitting at two twenty three. We took. Um, I think the forty-four thousand dollar bet at uh, two twenty-four, and then moved back, uh, moved it lower off of that. But uh, the Jazz here currently laying nine and a half, and we opened this game Jazz laying eleven and a half. As you said, Jazz win here, they secure the top seed in the West over the Suns, regardless of what the Suns do. Um, <clears throat> so interesting. I mean, this will be the first time in club history for the Jazz that they'll finish with the best record in the league. And the Kings obviously don't have anything to play for here as they're headed into the lottery. So you would certainly expect the Jazz to win this game. Um, but, again, larger number, nine and a half, and it, but it is moving. Uh, the line, ha- you've seen it shift towards the Kings a little bit here, maybe a little bit too high is where we opened it. Uh, and Charlotte loses an overtime game against the Knicks. They play the Wizards today for really, I mean, the Charlotte needs to win this to get the eighth seed to play Boston in the play, in, in the playoff game. So where where are you seeing this game and what's your thoughts? Yeah, the, the Hornets and the Wizards here. Uh, currently, Wizards laying five and a half. Total is 228. And much like the uh, the Grizzlies-Warriors game here, the winner of this game comes the eighth seed in the East. Loser will more than likely get the 10 seed, assuming that the Pacers beat the Raptors today. And uh, like you said yesterday, Hornets lost in overtime to the Knicks. Uh, again, important from the standpoint, if you're the 10 seed, you must win the two straight games in the playing tournament to qualify for the playoffs. The Hornets have not shot the three ball well lately. Uh, that has been one of their strengths throughout the year. And the Wizards obviously have been playing very well, going 13-5 and in their last 18. Beal's still questionable here for this one. Uh, but I do, I do like the Wizards in this one. How do you – more playoffs as we get going with the NHL. Uh, what's the handle like there at the Borgata come NHL postseason? We had a really good handle yesterday on the NHL. The um, the Bruins game was a heavily bet game, uh, and even the Canucks game early uh, was good. We actually, uh, for today's games, we're seeing a lot of Penguins money here show up uh, in that early one against the Islanders. And then uh, the, the Wild, we actually took a bigger bet on the puck line yesterday on the wild thirty thousand dollar bet on the puck line plus one and a half on the wild against the uh the golden knights there all right there it is wow. busy busy day for tg thomas gable how about the baseball is there anything that's been standing out for you of course 15 games today on the diamond yeah i mean the baseball has been very good for us uh we've, we've been holding very well on baseball since the beginning of the season we had a great day yesterday um the uh, the Nationals Arizona Diamondbacks game was actually the most heavily bet game here yesterday. Um, 
tremendous handle on that game with some bigger bets. But um, yeah, today we're seeing uh, we're seeing some action here on the Blue Jays uh, against the Phillies. Um, we're we're also seeing uh, some some money here come in on the Giants as well against the Pirates. Uh, that seems to be where uh, and and also the Twins getting bet up here against the the A's. All right, TG. Enjoy your Thank Sunday you, over at the Borgata. Enjoy it. Stop by and say hi to Thomas at the Borgata, or Director of Race and Sportsbook at Borgata Sports on Twitter. Enjoy your Sunday, Thomas. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Okay. That's Thomas Gable coming back. We're going to run the board, get into some more NBA with Josh Applebaum right here on the Lombardi line. Everything we mentioned, including those new splits, it's over at vcin.com for more information. We're coming back with Josh right here on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. It's vcin, the sports betting network. MGM customers, you can turn $1 into 100 when somebody goes yard during a game. That game is the Cardinals and Padres tonight. Use the bonus code VEASAN100. And if either the Cardinals or Padres hit a home run, you're going to win $100 paid for in free bets. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years or older. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia only. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-2707-117 for help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Tennessee, call or text Redline 800-889-9789. Okay, we welcome you back here on the Lombardi Line. A ton to do over the next 15 minutes. Michael Lombardi in Jersey. Here comes Josh Applebaum with some updates. And we promised we'd start with some NBA. And I know you got a ton of updates here. So let's get started, Josh. Yeah, tons of updates here, guys. Let's just talk some NBA. So a couple games that have caught my eye. You guys mentioned Charlotte and Washington. This is a big game because, as you guys mentioned, the winner gets the eight seed here. So there's a lot on the line. Uh, what's, what's notable to me is this is a big public play on the Wizards. They're getting a big majority of bets here in this one. Uh, obviously, star player recognition, you know, kind of dead even record here, both teams. But uh, a lot of these lines open Wizards minus six and a half, and it's down to six. So you've seen little bit of movement here toward the Hornets. Um, I think you, it could be a buy low spot on Charlotte. They've lost four straight, but they just got Miles Bridges back yesterday. He dropped 30 points. Also, if you look at um, head-to-head this year, believe it or not, the Hornets are 2-0 and against Washington. Maybe they have you know their number here, but they won 119-97 to and 114-104. to 104. The key here is Bradley Beal. We got to make sure we know whether or not he's going to play or not. He's questionable right now. You've also had some movement toward this under with the Hornets Wizards. It opened around 229 and a half down to 228. Uh, another one that caught my eye, guys, the Celtics and the Knicks. Uh, obviously, everybody's pretty much out for the Celtics today. They're resting literally every starter. We've seen a big move toward uh, the Knicks here. Some books, it's actually, maybe not a huge move. Maybe we expected a lot of these guys to be out. But to me, the total is what jumped out to me. This total with the Knicks, it opened around 215. It's all the way down to 211. 
Knicks are the number three defensive efficiency team here in the NBA. And then some kind of crazy ones, guys, that caught my eye. Number one, something's up with the Lakers and the Pelicans. The Lakers um, expected to play everyone today, but they open at like minus 10 and a half. They're all the way down to wow. minus seven and a half. Yeah. This one kind of came out of nowhere, Patrick, but a uh, little line movement here toward the Pelicans. The other one to keep an eye out for, Bucks and the Bulls. The Bucks may have nothing to play for today. You've seen line movement toward the Bulls. Do the Bucks end up resting Giannis and Middleton and these guys? Because the Bucks were around minus two. They're down to one and a half. But some of these shops look like they're trending you know, down toward a pick them here. So uh, a lot of matchups today. And then also Will Hill, give him some credit. That, that Houston Rockets number, that was Hawks around minus 10. It's all the way down to seven and a half now. You know, I think the Laker game, uh, Josh, I think the reason for this line move in the Laker game is I think the Lakers realize Denver's not going to play. And what are they playing for? I mean, really, I mean, why would they play if they know Denver's going to just flat out lose? So the Lakers are locked into seven, right, Patrick? I mean, they're locked into seven. Yep. It's a back-to-back. They flew in late. You know, they played They played last night. They're playing New Orleans down there. I I mean, I got a sense. I think Will Hill's right. Play the first half if you think the Lakers are going to play anybody. But at some point, they're just going to say no moss because they know Denver is just conceding the game to Portland. Yep, you nailed it. And that's it's a fascinating number. Uh, How about your Celtics and the Knicks? Fellas, I'll ask you both which way you'd go here. Michael, we talked about it a little bit earlier. And Josh, literally the Celtics, this game is not only meaningless, it's it's harmful. Because what they want to do is they're going to host that game on Tuesday as a seven seed, regardless of anything that happens today. No machination changes anything. So today is just literally a walkthrough for the Celtics. If I give you that information, Michael, where are you going with the Knicks lane 12 here? Well, I, I clearly lean. I mean, the 12's a lot of points, but then when you look at the injury list for the for the Celtics, I was leaning more towards the under. Josh Applebaum kind of alluded to that at 215, and now it's all the way down to 211. I think everybody had my instincts as the same. Is I'd rather play the under at 215, knowing it'll be a defensive game, knowing the Celtics will have a hard time scoring. Same with the Knicks. I think 12's a lot of points to lay against any team, but there, there lies the problem. I don't even know who's going to be on the court for the Celtics. It could get ugly. I think the Knicks, the way Julius Randle's playing, I mean, he should be in the MVP conversation. The season he's had for the Knicks and coach of the year to me is Thibodeau because he's been sensational. If they're the four seed, they've come a long, long way from where they were last year. And that is the betters conundrum when you take a look at the total, Josh. It's funny. Pros debate this all the time. So the Celtics today, they've got nothing to play for. Does that mean they play no defense at all? Does that mean obviously with nothing to play for and resting all of their starters, mostly, obviously, most all their offense as well. Does that mean they don't score at all? That becomes the conundrum with the total of 211. Uh, but there you see it, Josh. Let's t- have your take on the side in total. Yeah, I think you're totally right, Patrick. The conundrum here, I mean, you like the under because, number one, Celtics are going to be down. All their offensive guys, I mean, I run through the list of who's available. Pritchard, Langford, Neesmith, Ojale, Cornette, Waters, Edwards, Parker, Grant Williams, and you may see Taco fall in this game. Like oh that's how gosh. low, yeah, on, on the on the radar here with all these players. But Patrick, you make a great point with the conundrum because we, me and Michael, I think we both like the under here. But it opened two fifteen and a half. It's down to two eleven. On the one hand, you say take the under. It's getting hammered. Knicks are great defensively. The Celtics have no offensive guys. But you don't want to get in the habit when you're betting on sports of getting the worst of the number. So if you're taking under two eleven right now. You're really taking the under after a lot of the value's been, you know, taken out of the line. So this could be a 
you know, a 100 to 84 game. And you're like, why didn't I just take the under? But uh, I think that's a dangerous path. You don't want to start, you know, you don't want to get in the habit of getting the worst of it. So at 211 now, you still lean under. The last sharp move I saw, guys, was around under 213. So uh, I think you're, you're, you're kind of living dangerously if you still like this under. Yeah, I think you have to just say, look, I'm not playing it. I think it let, I'd rather play the Memphis Grizzlies in the Golden State Warrior game where I know two teams are going to play, and at least you're going to get some kind of consistency out of what you can predict. The variables are not as badly in your fa- against you as they are in this game because you just don't know. I mean, I like the under, but it's gone down to 15. You know, maybe 210, I would still take it at 211. But that, you know, with the who the Celtics are putting on the court, you got to have a hard time thinking they're going to score against the Nick team that is going to play as hard as they can play for three quarters. Yeah, you mentioned Pritchard might be playing for the Celtics. There's a better chance Mike Pritchard might play for our very own. Might show up at yeah. Madison Square. I bet, I bet he could play. I bet he could still do yeah, it. He looks Don't like he's, still, that. he's yeah. still in shape. Yeah, um, he could run. Oh, he could run. I saw it. Oh, you remember? Do you remember scouting him? Oh, sure, yeah. All those Colorado guys. I mean, they were all good. That They were good. Yeah, they had a they pipeline from California, like L.A., remember Man, that, with the enemy in the Yeah, they the- did. Well, the, the guy that owned Continental Airlines was really their, was their main. He was supporting the program. I think whenever you look at some of these really good college programs that have the rise in them, T. Boone Pickens at, at, at Oklahoma State, you know, Phil Knight up at Oregon, there's always one person behind the rise, funneling money and funneling support and funneling the brand to them, and that's what happened. Colorado. There was a time when Bill McCartney was there and Mike was there. They had a ton of players. They were living on Los Angeles talent. That flight was easy. Remember, recruiting areas are like, where is your direct flight? Where can you get to? Where right. can I get from and to directly? And Continental at that time was direct LA to, to Denver, which is still to Boulder, I think, or to Denver, and it's still the same. So the last update we have, let's talk about the Bucks, Okay, Josh, the Bucks and the Bulls are coming up. So this one's interesting because the Bucks don't control anything as far as their fate. The Nets do. And the Nets, with a win today, lock up, and they're going to beat the Cavs at home, lock up that. So the Bucks come 6 o'clock, two hours after the tip of the Nets game, could know they've got nothing to play for based on how that game's playing out. Patrick, it's a great point by you. And also the timing is really, really important. It's kind of like, you know, when you're looking at these playoff seedings and you're, you're kind of looking at the scoreboards and seeing, you know, whether or not as a coach, are we going to play Giannis tonight? Are we going to play Middleton? So to me, that's really, you know, one of your last games of the night, nine o'clock bucks and bulls. And if you see, you know, the nets get up big and, you know, they're, you know, they're cruising here. I mean, they're, they're 13 point favorite against the Cavs. You expect them to win that one, but that's the line kind of the last game of the night that I would you know, set up your tweet deck and really kind of try to analyze and figure out whether or not the Bucks guys will play. Because if the Nets roll and the Bucks have nothing to play for, you know, and you jump on, you know, Bulls plus one and a half right now. And by the time, you know, it's announced that all these guys are out, Bulls flip to, I don't know, minus three or minus, you know, they're going to be a big move here. The question again is, what do the Bulls do? What do they have to play for? It looks like Zach Levine is questionable here. But that just goes to show you all these permutations today. If you're betting on these games, Look at Patrick, and you deserve a raise laying, laying, laying out all these uh, different you know, th- different things on the line here. But look at the injury reports, figure out who's playing, and look at those line moves late that make no sense. If you can hit them early, there could be some value. Do we, by the way, do you feel, we talked about it yesterday with Danny Ainge's quote, 
your Celtics, they're in a bad way right now. They're going to be ho- they're yeah, going to be in the postseason, are. but there's really just nothing. There's no juice there with the Man, team. There's no energy at all. There's no you don't feel it. I mean, no. you don't feel it, and you don't feel like they're going to make a moment, make a turnaround. I mean, I think they're injured, and I just feel like they have a sense that they're not really e- equipped to play in this. And I, I think that's ultimately what Danny Ange is saying. He's saying, look, we just our team isn't really equipped to play the way we need to play right now. And that's hard, Josh, right? I mean, no one in the Boston area is excited about this team and they're, not, and they're worried about the future. Great point by you, Michael. Definitely a lot of bad vibes with the Celtics right now, but I'll give them a little credit. They went to Minnesota as a five-point dog and rolled in that game. You so want to crown like, their ass? Go ahead, crown their ass. Exactly. Yeah, they against Minnesota? We <laughs> against well, Minnesota? When everything we let them off terrible, the hook. Exactly. So all I'm getting at is they're playing with house money. No one thinks they can do anything. Everyone says they're done. Maybe they play loose. Maybe they play better. They're a very Jekyll and Hyde team where uh, they get down by 20 and then they start to play when things are easy. So no pressure on them. Maybe maybe they play a little looser. I don't know. Josh, it's only been a couple of years. What did you do to make your colors so great on your screen today? Usually it looks like you're getting interrogated. Today you're just bursting with color. What did you do? I have to know. I tell you what, Patrick, it's a beautiful Sunday in Boston. I got my windows open. You see it, Michael. Look at him. He looks like he's Ryan Gosling over here. I mean, he yeah. better send whatever he's doing up to Andy McNeil. I mean, I mean that poor guy. I mean, his sunshine needs a little bit of that, huh? It does appear. My goodness. Are you in Bora Bora? Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. enjoy enjoy your Sunday, Michael. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, Patrick. See you tomorrow. Okay, Thank Josh. You. Enjoy, Thanks, enjoy your luck. Sunday as well there, sunshine. All right. Brady's next with James Salinas coming up on the pregame show. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Lombardi Line. Have a great Sunday. It's v the Sports Betting Network.